sermon podcast of Dan Roschke, pastor of Bethlehem Lutheran Church in Fairfax, Virginia. For more information about Bethlehem, visit our website at blclife.org. But now, here's Pastor Dan and his sermon for today. Friends, grace to you and peace from Jesus. Amen. The Sermon on the Mount today. And as we were reminded yesterday, reading the entire Gospel of Matthew in here at church, this is only the beginning of that sermon. But, but the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus rolling out an absolutely different way of being in the world. It's the way that he wants his followers to be. And as our scholars have pointed out, Jesus embodies these descriptions of blessedness or a perfectly acceptable translation of blessed, is happy, (laughs) which re-emphasizes how different this Jesus way is. Happy are those who mourn. Happy are those who are persecuted. I mean, these are perfectly legitimate translations from the Greek. Speaking of translations, this morning I'd like to take you through the message translation again. This is by the late, great scholar and pastor Eugene Peterson, he always seems to draw things out of the text that we hadn't seen before. Brilliant scholar that he was, always trying to get at the heart of what's really being said. So he uses contemporary turns of phrases and ways of of helping us understand what's really going on here. So I'd just kind of like to take us through a few of these verses one by one and compare them uh, to his translation. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. These are the first words of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. His translation is, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. The poor in spirit. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and God's rule. Peterson knows what uh, Matthew is really meaning by kingdom of heaven. That's that's God and God's reign. The poor in spirit, that's the end of your rope. So this isn't just some sad person out there. This is you and me when our spirits are down. Our energy is exhausted. In those moments when we're at the end of our rope, God and God's reign fills us. There's room for God then. Mother Teresa said, how can God fill what is already so filled up, so packed, so busy? As she looked at the busyness of our lives these days. Empty. Empty ourselves. Jesus embodies this. The next verse is similar. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The message says, when you're blessed... I'm sorry, you're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one, capital O, by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Blessed are those who mourn. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you, for you will be comforted. You know, this reminds me of when the recovery community talks about hitting rock bottom. You know that term? I had a good friend who was fighting addiction. 
and we could only pray. In one of his frightening episodes that he was hitting rock bottom, some of those worst moments, because that's when the recovery community understands that's when the turnaround really happens. Otherwise, we just stay in denial. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I don't need help. But when you hit rock bottom, that's when the turnaround finally happens. That's when we stand in desperate need of grace, of God. You know, the stories of people that say, I've never prayed in my life, but in this situation, oh, I prayed. Now, when we've lost what's most important to us, only then can you be embraced fully. Do you hear God's love for you spilling over in this? The people in Jesus' day would have heard it. They would have heard it despite Monty Python's comical interpretations. I don't know about you, but I always think of that, those movies when I hear the Sermon on the Mount, you know. What did he say? <laughs> Blessed are the meek is the next verse. Blessed are the Greeks? No. <laughs> Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The message translates that as you're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. Blessed are the meek, just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourself proud owners of everything that can't be bought, inheriting the earth. The meek are content with exactly who they are, where they are, what they are, what they have, the meek. Or a colleague this week shared a definition that she came across that I think sort of expounds on this Peterson translation a little bit more. Meek is taking up the right amount of space in the world. Isn't that a great de definition? The meek are those who take up the right amount of space in the world. So for some, that means taking up less room. For others, it means stepping up and into more space. How does that look for you? Do you need to fill in more room? Do you need to speak up more? Do you need to lead more? Do you need to inhabit more? Or do you need to step back and share more space, less talking, less spreading out, less filling because others are getting boxed out? I would say, given these interpretations and translations, that the meek are those who are at home in a profound way. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Or it could be translated, you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, when you've worked up a good appetite for God. For they will be filled. God is food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. They will be filled. Jesus is blessing those who the prophet Micah in our text today from Micah describes, those who love, those who do justice and love kindness and walk shrewdly with God. That kind of longing, that kind of hungering and thirsting, that kind of trudging along those tough roads of, of 
advocacy for and accompaniment with the most vulnerable and marginalized of society, that, that grinding away at the powers, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, or what I'd call a justice orientation. I think that's the best translation of righteousness. It's orienting toward justice, towards God's justice, that kind of grinding away at the powers and crying out for that distributive justice, for an end of violence in all its forms, and for enough for everyone, for enough healthy food and enough equitable housing, enough good education for everyone, enough affordable health care for everyone, enough clean water for everyone to work for these things to hunger and thirst for righteousness, for justice orientation, to grope and be in the struggle for all that is exhausting. But God will fill you with enough. More than that, God will fill you with the best meal you'll ever eat, Jesus says. How's the old Protestant song go, the old protest song? Ain't gonna let nobody Turn me around, turn me around, turn me around. I'm going to keep on walking, keep on talking, marching up to freedom land. The best meal you'll ever eat. This is a rich sermon, isn't it? I mean, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And these translations are, I, I think, just opening it up, but there's so much packed into each. Just a few more verses here. Blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. You're blessed when you care, Peterson translates. You're blessed when you care, the merciful. At that moment of being careful, C-A-R-E-F-U-L-L, you find yourselves cared for. At that moment of being so full of care, you find yourselves being cared for. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. So much wisdom. <laughs> And having mercy, I'll remind you, in the dominant cultures of the ancient world was seen as mental illness. So again, Jesus is rolling out something so different to say, blessed are the merciful. What? Blessed are the merciful. Something wrong with your brain in the ancient world. But Jesus comes out with something different here, caring for others in a holy and mysterious way comes back to you. How true it is, right? Caregivers. Think of caregivers that you know. They're incredible people. It's not an easy road to be merciful, to be caring. But those who do it, I'm convinced, can talk about a profound experience of blessedness. On them. A profound experience of happiness. The struggle is real, and so is the joy. We're getting to the end here, but this is one of my favorite translations, this next verse. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. This is translated, you're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Blessed are the pure in heart. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right, for they will see God. Then you can see God in the outside world. 
you're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right, then you can see God in the outside world. First of all, the heart was understood as the seat of all our thoughts. That was in the ancient world. So Jesus was always talking about the heart, especially in the Gospel of Matthew. Put that heart right. And for those who do, those who get your mind and your hearts right, it's like they get new glasses. They can see everything better. They can see the world more clearly. And that means they can see the world brimming with God. They can see God everywhere in the world. If this is you, if you see God everywhere and your mind and heart are in a good place and you look out, I know people like this. Thank you if this is you. Teach us. Teach us how to see God everywhere. And if not, if this is, is not describing you, this is our invitation to prayer, to contemplation, to the inner life. You know what I mean? Americans, I, I, I don't think, we, we don't tend to our inner lives very well. In some ways, nothing is sacred and nothing is quiet. I just was talking to a colleague this week, and he's done with trying to do silent retreats because he just can't get people to be, you know, to, to be still. And nobody wants to go, and it's just not happening. It's just, it just sounds ridiculous, even though like this is a, that's a focus on the inner. And just one example <laughs> that I think we can relate to. The, uh, uh, a weekend of just no sound at all, no talking or anything. You know, our sanctuary is empty all week long. Come use it. Find quiet here. Find silence. Tend to the inner life. Or, or, or find some way to get still and know that God is God. Lent is coming. I mean, it's a wonderful time to focus on this even more intentionally. Okay, now Jesus is coming to a finale. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. That's the traditional translation. The message translates, you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are, your place in God's family. <sighs> you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. We humans are created for community. We're not meant to live in isolation. There's lots in Scripture to back that up. I wonder if you believe that. I believe that we are created for community based on my faith. We need each other as much as we need food and water. But conflict and war, competition and ego drive us apart. Peacemakers, at their best, are not conflict avoiders. They are bold advocates for cooperation. They are bold advocates for education, for travel perhaps, for understanding of different cultures and different orientations, different persuasions, different religions. Blessed are the peacemakers. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. When you do that, that's when you discover who you really are, your place in God's family. 
I had this profound moment at the Hagia Sophia in Istanbul just a few weeks ago. You know that incredible building. You can look at pictures with me after worship today um, or online. Just this incredible building was built, the, the, the form we have now was built in 537 as a Christian cathedral. And that lasted for about a thousand years, not quite. And then it becomes a mosque under Ottoman rule. It becomes a mosque and stays a mosque until the 1930s. Incredible. <laughs> we just ponder these years. In the 1930s, it's turned into a museum, and it stays a museum until just recently. Only recently, in 2020, was it changed back to a mosque. There are very deep emotions about this place across both the Christian and the Muslim world. And even with all that very real conflict in the air, I had a moment when I was in there, a profound moment. Maybe you've had moments like this in your life too, a profound sense of peace. Some might call it a thin place where heaven and earth come together for a brief second. I mean, I had something like that. And given these texts today, the fact that it's a mosque now and will probably stay a mosque, the fact that Christians lost in many, in, in the view of, of so many, that's precisely where we need to be. Given these texts today, not on top of a high hill, we don't need to fill that up the most glorious temple space in the world, where Christians are called to be, is down in the narrow and troubled streets, down in the busy marketplaces, which are in Istanbul too, down in the complicated homes of this earth. We'll still find quiet ways to gather for worship, like we do each Sunday. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. Jesus goes on. This is a long sermon. He goes on to talk about how much these ideas might result in persecution. To which he says and encourages, if that happens, well, then you might just be spot on. <laughs> My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. That's how... Peterson translate that last line, for that is what they did to the ancestors. Yeah, my prophets and witnesses always got into this kind of trouble. <laughs> Friends, Jesus is engaging us, seeing, up, seeing what we're up for. There's love for you and for me even when we opt out of this engagement. Nah, not for me. Too much risk, Jesus. God loves you anyway, no question about it. That's grace, and it is for everyone. But if we want to be Christ's disciples, here's the way. Here's the challenges that are before us. Here is the invitation. And I hope we can hear it anew. Here's the joy. There is joy in this life of following Jesus. Happy are those who do these things, who live in this way. That invitation, friends, that forgiveness, that peace, that comfort, that challenge, that joy is yours this day and always. Thanks be to God. Amen.
at Bethlehem Lutheran Church. Thank you for listening. Check us out again soon. And to learn more about our national church body, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, visit elca.org. Goodbye for now. And remember, God's outpouring of grace and peace never runs dry. Here's to a new day. Evangelical. That was terrible. To learn more about our national church body. Start over, start over. (laughs) Okay. Is that hard? No, not really. Pretty easy? Yeah. You're good at it. Woo!